Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Yes. You know, uh, as we often say, if we didn't know better, we would think there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit going on. And there is. Oh, and by the way, yesterday, how many of you know what yesterday was? Anybody know? It's the anniversary, August the 13th, 1727, of the Moravian outpouring of the Spirit. That happened at a communion service, and uh, we, you know, it's like uh, the, you know, the, uh, what do we call it? The breakfast fellowships? The Moravian love feast. It was a Moravian love feast. And anyway, we're just grateful. You know that God is still carrying on that great vision. You know, they started a 100-year prayer meeting that lasted over generations, and they were used mightily in missions. Uh, the story is that uh, some of them would sell themselves as slaves in order to preach the gospel in foreign lands. And so it's quite a, uh, quite a tradition to follow. But we thank God for the Moravians and uh, that we get, we're not Moravians here, but we do live in, in Moravian Falls. And we're grateful that we get to follow in these footsteps. Well, I, I want to get in the word. It's going to be an encouraging word. Say encouraging word. Because we don't preach woe is me messages. We preach wow is God messages. You just, you know, you might have to cover the woes at times because they're in the book. But anyway, I want to, um, I want to read some things from uh, the book, Nehemiah Strong. I, I promised you that we would, you know, look at parts of that from time to time. And uh, we have them for sale in the bookstore. And my friend, John Dislin, who wrote Nehemiah Strong, it's a manual for the times in which we're living. And it's everything I've ever heard and thought about. It's everything I thought might have been a conspiracy theory, but he actually brings out the truth, and he brings it in line with Scripture. And um, in fact, it was a long time ago, I realized they were using that term conspiracy theory to shut up the truth. To shut you up and to shut you up from listening to what really they didn't want you to hear. But anyway, I'm, I just wanted to touch base again on a few things and I'm going to get in the Word. And I believe there's something that God wants to impart today because He's going to have to impart it 
because I could not go back to sleep, to be honest with you. It was so glorious in Pakistan this morning. I went and laid down. I tried. I closed my eyes. I kept looking at the clock. Three minutes passed, three minutes passed, two minutes passed, and eventually we made it to this morning, but I don't think we slept a wink after that, but thank God we can do this. How many of you know we can do this? And I'm not just boasting. I'm, I'm telling you, can reach the world today from your iPad or your cell phone. And so be bold, be, be confident, and go for it. Man, this is the hour. It's harvest time. So anyway, I was reading in John's book, Nehemiah Strong, and he's pointing out how we are fully aware that our nation is divided. There are two groups, and uh, that is becoming even wider, the, the divide. And he didn't mention this, but what did Jesus say about division? A house divided will not stand. It's not even an option. That's what the Lord said. It's not a prophecy. It is the word of the Lord. A house divided will not stand. And so he's talking about how there's one group. They're awake and, uh, you know, they're listening. And that group is growing. How many of you know that? There's an awakened group in America. And it's on the increase. And then there are others. They're following the mainstream media. They're following the experts and the science, even though it's not science. But they're doing everything they're told to do like good little sheep. And he explains this. In fact, if you get offended easily, don't read John's book because he just tells the truth. But anyway, he says how this spell that has captured so many Americans is being broken. And the way it's being broken is because people are standing up and they're telling the truth. They're unafraid. They're not backing off of what they know to be true. And, uh, but the pressure's mounting. And, um, you know, I was reading this and I, I know now why God gave me the term revival behind enemy lines. Because I think that's where we're headed. So he mentions there are four different biases of which keeps people from listening to the truth in this hour. So I'm going to go over them. Number one is the normalcy bias. He said that's the people that tend to believe that, you know, there's some sort of belief that everything will eventually return to normal. Now, if I had a choice, I would be in this group because I'd just soon everything go back to normal. How many of you are there with me? But... We've discovered if, you, if you're awake in this hour, there's a good possibility we're not going back to normal. At least normal the way they've defined it in the world. How many of you know real normal is defined in this book? And that's where we're heading. And that's the norm. But anyway, it's um, a lot of people in that particular group. And then there's the confirmation bias. These are those who search out the Internet Or in other words, they avoid any church that tells them anything different. And they find them a group of people that will tell them what confirms what they want to be true. How many of you know that really exists today? So that's, you know, their own belief system. They don't want to be taken out of their comfort zone. And then there's the cognitive dissonance. Now, I've heard all these things. Some of you have too. John just makes sense of it. He said, this is when someone is presented with facts and they either stand in opposition or that stand in opposition to their deeply held beliefs. And so there's turmoil, there's fear and confusion. And instead of pressing through the shock, 
they go back to their comfortable belief and they go into this. Uh, they become deaf to any other word. Have you ever spoken to someone about things going on today and it's like it just goes over their, their head? They're not paying you the least of mine. Well, there's, you know, there's a lot of scripture. And then there's learned helplessness. That's what Shirley sometimes thinks. I kind of fall into that crowd, learned helplessness. But actually, no, this is when many, you know, they, uh, how does he put it? That some point will simply either stop trying. There's so much out there. They can't handle it, so they just give up and join the crowd. They just roll up their sleeve and believe that what they've heard is the truth and just become a part of the system. Now, you don't want to do that, especially at the end of the age. If you become a part of the system, guess what system that will be? It's called the B system. So you're going to have to not be helpless and say, well, I'm just going to give in because I don't want to fight. No, that's what you're made for. We're worshipers and we're warriors. And the warrior, the greatest warrior, the God who is at war with hell, defeated death, hell, and the grave. He lives inside of you and me. So anyway, we have to encourage. And then there's mass formation psychosis. And that was what Dr. Malone that made that famous He said, it's mob psychology when a large segment of society experience a loss of connectedness. It's like they're walking around in a daze, and they can't see. And uh, there's a fear and anxiety. I think it's similar to these others. But they're walking around blind, like they have a blindfold on, and they listen to all of these. And he's got a picture of cute little doctor, and I'm not going to mention his name, But anyway, they listen to everything he has to say, even though the things he has told them is being just the opposite is happening. They tell you one thing, and then they tell you something totally different. Yeah, you could get that book, but don't get it if you're easily offended, because John will offend you, and I'm so glad he's coming here, because I want him to let her rip. This is not the time to be silent. And I know there are only a few churches that are actually entering into the fray. Well, whether you enter into the fray or not, they're coming for you. They're not coming for President Trump, ultimately. You know who they're coming for. So if you don't fight now, you're going to fight later without any chance of winning. Now is the chance to win in prayer. In fasting and standing firm. I I saw, was it Senator Marco Rubio? There are a few senators beginning to rise up. And Marco Rubio was talking about there are many in his community that we should be listening to what they have to say because they've lived through what is happening in America today. And I know why now God sent me to the former USSR many, many years ago And I've shared with you the testimony how we were, as far as I know, one of the first groups. We went in right before the walls came tumbling down, and I would stand up on the bench. And for the first time in 70 years, preaching the gospel in a communist nation where they were told there was no God. 
And anyway, it was an ama- I can't go into all that. It was an amazing time. And now I know why God sent me to Cuba. I thought it was cute that all their cars were in the 1950s. I thought, wow, this is great. Look at all these old cars. Now I know why they had old cars. And it wasn't cute. It's a serious thing. Now, are you guys still with me? You can vacate the room if you would like to real quickly. There are churches in the city that you won't hear anything about this. Until they come to knocking on your door and you're going to go knock on the door of that pastor and say, why didn't you tell me the truth? And you know that my blood's going to be held at your hands. Can I tell you the truth? Do you know if you see the sword coming and you don't sound the alarm, he said, the Lord said, their blood, they will die, but their blood I'm going to hold at your hands. It's not a good place to be. I'd rather be clean before the Lord and let men spill my blood than let God hold me accountable for the blood that was spilled. Did you hear what I said? Some of you are saying, what kind of church is this? It's church in 2022. Any other kind of church, it's probably going to be a false church that's going to follow the whole system in this hour and lead their people into the worship of the beast. But that's a different subject. David, stay on subject today. I'm trying. Okay, here's a quote. John Whitehead. I remember that guy way back. I've been hearing about this stuff for 100 years. Well, not that long. But how many of you know what I'm talking about? You've been hearing. It's like the Lord's been preparing us, teaching us, so that we would be awake at the time we most needed to be awake. But anyway, John Whitehead of the Rutherford Institute. He quoted this. Now, he didn't say it. He quoted it. I'll tell you who said it. He said, once a government is committed to the principle of silencing the voice of opposition, it has only one way to go, and that is down the path of increasingly repressive measures until it becomes a source of terror to all of its citizens and creates a country where everyone lives in fear. That was a quote from President Harry Truman, the 33rd president of the United States. Now, what happened this past week in South Florida, you could look at it as a single event. That would be the better choice, but it's not a single event. It's the progression of events that's taking place. And all you have to do, you know, those that fail to learn the lessons of history are doomed to repeat it. You don't want to repeat things that happen in history, but most Americans are blindly following blind guides. And what does Jesus say about that? Anybody remember? The blind follow the blind. They both will fall into the ditch. Even the guides, even those that claim to be the experts, saying, I know the truth about this. Don't listen to the church. Don't listen to those believers. They, too, are going to fall into the ditch. Anyway, 30 agents, some with machine guns when he wasn't even there, nine hours going through the lingerie. I'm telling you, this was just another step in the process. Well, what are we going to do about it? 
We're going to pray. And then I'm going to preach the word. I got a word. Okay, you guys with me? Because I heard Rick Joyner, and I'm so grateful for Rick. I've heard him. I'm telling you, I've been with Morningstar many, many years. Been pastoring here now over 14 onto the 15th year. I've heard every kind of criticism against Rick Joyner you could imagine. I, I, I know him. If, when a new one comes along, I've been around here long enough now, I say, oh, I know exactly what you're going to say. So I could tell them what they're going to say before they finish saying it. But anyway, I thank God for him that he's one of those that's not backing off the truth. And he's, and he's raised us. I mean, he's taught us, don't back off. Never retreat to the enemies of the cross. And I'm not going to do it. He's not doing it. But anyway, he was talking about how that, you know, we must, the church has a role in bringing forth the judgments against the wicked in this hour. We've been talking about that. I wrote a book called Imprecatory Prayers. So I want to pray one more time this morning. Are you with me? Can you join me? The camera's not on you, so you will get out of here without anybody knowing your name. I'm not even going to work. But I don't care. Stand up with me. Let's pray. Then I'll get in the Word. It's only 1139. we got plenty of time. Just pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus. No, 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 no. I'm praying in the name of Jesus. Just, just agree. Just agree with me. Lord, I thank you. Lord, you saw all that happened this week. Lord, we recognize it's evil. We recognize where it came from. We know it's part of a playbook. They have not deceived a remnant in America. We know what it is. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus, just as in the days where Haman, Lord, built the gallows that he wanted to hang a nation. Father, we ask God in Jesus' name that that which is intended for evil would be turned around and those who have built the gallows, that they would be hung on their own gallows in Jesus' name. Father, your word says those that dig the ditch And, Lord, we pray, let them fall into the traps that they've set for others. Lord, I'm praying out of a psalm I'm going to read later. But, Lord, I'm asking you, just like David, Lord, take your hand out of your bosom and destroy those that are seeking to destroy the people and the purposes of God in this nation. Lord, we stand on your word. God, arise. Scatter your enemies. Let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end in America. And let this nation fulfill the covenant and the promise that you purpose and written out. As the church, Lord, we agree with heaven. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Arise, O God. Release warring angels that do battle against the host of hell and their dominion in this hour. And let righteousness triumph and truth prevail. In Jesus' strong name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Amen. Well, you just have to pray that. Now, this week, someone, Ricky, sent me a little word from Chris Reed. And we've grown to love Chris Reed. He's going to be here many times. And you know he's taken over the helm there at Morningstar. But anyway, he had another encounter with Jesus on July the 25th. And in this encounter, he... The Lord told him, as the church began, so shall it end at the end of the age. In homes, small groups. And he got the word, or the number, 242. 
which he later realized was Acts 2.42. And now Acts 2.43 speaks of a harvest, of, you know, an ingathering. And, but we won't see Acts 2.43 until we walk in Acts 2.42. You got to go through, you know, the progression of events according to heaven's, you know, mandate. But anyway, Acts 2.42 speaks about how the church continued in the apostles' doctrine. And we're always going to preach the word here. Man, whatever we do, somehow, some way, we may sing it. We may prophesy. Whatever, I don't know. But we're going to stand on the word of God. You continue in the apostles' doctrine. Number two, fellowship. That's what we are. We're a fellowship. We're a family. We're fellowship. We should have fun outside these doors. We're going to a baseball game on Tuesday night, right? Rain or shine, we don't care. We're going to wear our ball cap, get our peanuts. Shirley won't be there so I can get what I want from the concession stand. No, no, no. No, I'll try to be good. But we're a fellowship. And then we're to break bread from house to house. Break bread. And then prayer. They continued in prayer. And I'm so thankful for those that God sent to lead the Moravian Lamps and Richard and Kimberly. But all of those, as, as Barb mentioned, that have been praying. And I do remember those days before we had the Moravian Lamp stand. That's all we knew to do. We'd lay a, a map down, lay on it, and many times we would have tears that would fall on that map. Praying every Thursday night. And uh, so anyway, we're thankful. And we want to press on and be the people of God. Now, I want you to look over in Romans 16. Say, I'm with you. I'm so glad you're with me. <laughs> no, I mean that. In the act of Romans 16, I want to show you some things. And then I'll move quickly, but I don't want to miss anything the Lord's given me. And uh, Romans 16 and verse 17. He says, now I urge you, brethren... Note, take a note, those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you've learned, and do what? Avoid them. So we've seen in the nation there are those who are causing division, and it's an ongoing thing. It happens in the church as well. There's so many examples. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly their own appetite, their own desire to fulfill their own dream or whatever it would be. And by smooth words and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the simple. Do you think there are any deceived in America today? Do you think there are any deceived in churches today? Absolutely. For your obedience has become known to all, therefore I'm glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. Now, simple doesn't mean to be ignorant. It means to be innocent. It means to be, not have a mixture of vice or deceit, but be sincere and to be blameless. You can't ignore what's happening. You just want to make sure you're separated and you're on a different course. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. And we understand that principle. And then over in verse 20, now watch this. And the God of peace, say the God of peace. How many of you are glad he's a God of peace? But look what he's going to do. And the God of peace will crush Satan 
under your feet shortly. So you look at these things. There's a who, what, when, and how. Number one, who, who God is. Even as the God of peace, He's still a God of judgment. He, his judgments are righteous altogether because His judgments are intended either to lead the wicked to repentance or just deal with the wicked because it's going to happen eventually. And it's all in the Scripture. You can't explain it away. He's a God even... Now listen, the goodness of God leads to repentance. So if there's a shaking in the land, we're going to get there in a moment. It's to draw the people back to Him. They have to make a choice. That's when you decide either you're for me or you're against me. And there are many in America right now, they're deciding their fate. Either they're for Him or they're going to be against Him. And if they're against Him, guess who else they're going to be against? And then... Not only who God is, but what He will do. One day, He's going to crush. You know what the word crush means. Now, I'm not talking about the orange crush we would used to drink, you know, in those days when we drank such things. And we don't drink them anymore. We've learned they got stuff in them that's no good. She wouldn't let me drink it. So we've crushed the crush. But God is a God that's going to crush and he's going to crush Satan. Now, when will he do it? Now, that's the key. Shortly. It may not be on your timetable. It may not be when you want him to act. God, act now. God, I just came back from McDonald's, and they tell me you can order a Big Mac and get it right now. I want, what you, I want the Big Mac right now. Well, it ain't. It's not that way. And then... What's that? What's that? I'm starving. When's the last time we ate? I'm going to eat for lunch today. I tell you, it was so glorious this morning, 3 o'clock in the morning. After I got my eyes open, and although I couldn't go to sleep, and then I couldn't, you know, but anyway. It's a glorious time to be alive. You guys got to embrace it. This is what we've been made for. And then, how will he do, how will we do what we are called to do with all this going on? Well, there it is. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. So be it. We're going to need grace. Now, you know, look over in Romans 13 real quick. Just a couple pages. And uh, Romans 13, uh, 13, verse 11. Then I'm going to go to Haggai and just cut to the chase. Now, you know, human beings, especially it's something in our makeup, we don't always like to be told what to do. You know what I'm talking about. I'd rather, you know, when you're growing up, your parents tell you what to do. And, and most of us, if you you know, I mean, we did some enough to get by, but we wanted to do our own thing. And you know what I mean. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Well, this is something you need to do. Verse 11, and do this, knowing the time that now, say now, it is high time to awake out of sleep. 
And somebody prayed that this morning. I think Barb. Would to God our nation would awaken out of sleep. Things could change. All we need is a, you know the only help is Jesus Christ. No political solution, though we're going to go vote. If we get to vote, we're going to vote as a testimony to him because we're going to stand before the Lord. And we're going to vote and leave the rest to God because, God, this is what I choose. This is how I believe. And God will honor that. I think he will honor his people. Whatever. And then, but he goes on and do this, knowing the time that now is high time to wake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Know the time, realize the difference. There's the now and the later. Because salvation, these people were already saved. But he still said our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. That's how I know they were believers. Know that our deliverance is coming, that night is far spent. In other words, what that means is, is there going to, there's going to be a progression of evil, worse and worse, just like the Bible told us, a progression, an advanced wickedness on the earth. Darkness shall cover the earth, but not the people. Know that the day is at hand. That's the day of the Lord. It's also the day of our deliverance. Say deliverance. You're going to see God do mighty things with those who have, who have faith in depending upon Him. Now, religion's not going to get you very far in this hour. And having your ears tickled as to what's happening is not going to get you down the street. But if you hear the truth, you can respond and prepare and be ready. And that's what the Lord's doing. He's preparing a people for the bride. I mean, he's for the bridegroom. And then... Cast off and put on the works of darkness. And that's what he talks about. Verse 12, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Now, go with me, if you would, to the book of Haggai. In chapter 2, And we're going to see something. Let me read the first three verses, and then we'll come back, comment, and then some things I want to show you. And I believe it will build you up. We, we want to be built up in our faith. You know, Paul spoke about those who they suffered shipwreck. Their faith was shipwrecked. If you come here, and your faith is shipwrecked. The rest of us are going to come looking for you. And it's just not going to happen. It's not supposed to happen. Do I get any kind of amen? You're not to be shipwrecked. You're, you're not to be among those who fall away. What is coming will cause many to fall away from the faith. That's Bible. There's some out there tell you that can't happen. Well, you're going to have to change the Word of God. Because I see where it can happen, and yet I am trusting all to Him. I'm, I'm more confident in he that will keep me than he that's going to lead me astray. And as long as that's my faith and my confidence, I'm standing on some solid ground. But look at this in verse 1 of Haggai chapter 2. It says, in the seventh month on the 21st day of the month. One thing we need to mention is the timeliness of God. 
God is in charge of the timing of the events that are going to unfold in this hour, not Satan, nor his minions, nor those gathering around their tables, smoking cigars, planning what evil they want to bring about. I wish I could enter into those rooms unnoticed because they got guards probably 50 deep. Holy Spirit, get me through the dark guards. Let me show up in that room and say, thus saith the Lord. I had a dream about that one time. I'm here, I am God, I'm willing. Because in the dream, I disappeared before they could, they could take me. I'm waiting for that to come to pass. Anyway, the timeliness of God. We can't go into detail today. But over in the book of Daniel... Chapter 10, verse 1. Chapter 11, verse 27. The hearts of the kings, they were bent on evil, and they were speaking around the same table. It's a picture of the last day. I know it happened, but it's a last day picture, Daniel and Revelation being unfolded. So they're sitting around this table making their plans, but the word of the Lord is, but it shall not prosper, for the end will still be at the appointed time. And that has to be our decree in this hour. And there's some things, they're planned that are not going to get off of the table. If the church will arise and be the church. If we're religious, then things can unfold. But I believe we have something to say about it. How many of you believe that? We've been, he said, resist the devil. Draw near to God, resist the devil. And he will flee. And then secondly, look, look at this. The seventh month. 21st day, the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, saying. Now, we won't go there again, but remember we spoke about how in Amos there was the famine of the word of the Lord. And I used to read that, and I would think, God, how in the world can that be any kind of future word or coming to pass in this day? Because you can hear the Bible preached in America 24 hours a day. It can happen. Because that ain't what he's talking about. It's not just the Bible preaching that this scripture refers to. Secondly, I thought, well, maybe it has to do with the hearing. Hearing, because a lot of people, God, you can stand up and preach, but they're not listening. They're like that guy on the Lord of the Rings. I'm not listening. You can shout all you want. They're not listening, but that has nothing to do with it. I mean, it may have something to do with it. It does. But the thing was, is they could not hear the word of the Lord. And we're not listening for a word of the Lord. You can go many places and hear a word of the Lord today. It's the next lesson in the line, you know, just, I mean, it's all good stuff. It's the Bible. You know, you're being built up. But in this hour, we need the word of the Lord. God, what are you saying to me now? What are you saying to my family now? What are you saying to our nation now? How many of you know he's a now God? That's what the kingdom of the gospel of the kingdom. Uh, I want to get way ahead. It's the gospel of now. Say now. That's what it is. Anyway, well, the word of the Lord came. And then verse 2, speak now to Zerubbabel, the son, and Emiliston. Speak to all the people, to the remnant and all. And who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now in comparison with it? Is this not in your eyes 
as nothing. Now, the title of this section in the Bible, you, you know, you pick it up, The Coming Glory of God's House. That's a pretty good title. But there's a subtitle to it if you dig a little deeper. And the subtitle is, When Normal is No More. When Normal is No More, Obtaining Heaven's Strategies for the Hour. How many of you think we need Heaven's Strategies for the Hour? The next message in line is not going to get you. I mean, it does encourage you. It is, you're washed by the water of the Word. But you need the Word of the Lord. He's, he's the God who was. He's the one that is to come. But He also is the God who is. You've got to know Him as the God who is. The God who is. Now... They were looking at the temple. How does this temple look to you compared to what it looked like? It didn't look, it's not looking too hot. It does not look normal. This is not normal. And we already said normal probably is over. There's a part of me that sure wishes some things could go back to normal. Anybody else there? I'm just being honest. Anybody? I mean, I've kind of grown accustomed to living in America. I enjoy the freedoms. I enjoy going to a baseball game. I enjoy these things. But God wants you to walk in this. He's probably more concerned with his bride being prepared than we are whatever we say is normal. This is, the fi- this is normal. Okay, let's look in verse 4. Nothing is normal. Verse 4, yet now, here's another now, now, he's telling you some things to do that you're going to need to do in the time when things are no longer normal. Number one, yet now, be strong. Be strong. Say, be strong. In fact, he mentions it three times in that be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Joshua, the high priest. Be strong, all you people. And in this hour, we're going to have to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Now, why would the Lord give us a command to be strong? Because you're going to be tempted to be weak. There are going to be things that will drain you of the strength, the world system. You can't hang around. I don't even listen to this stuff. CNN, I'm not even ever going to go there. Because if you go there for three seconds, you'll either get angry or you'll just become discouraged or depressed. You know, I listen to certain ones. For example, I listened to a Christian news agency this week that told a different story as to what happened down in South Florida, what they were really going after. It is deceitful among all deceit. God, you, now here's one more prayer. Lord, you said there's nothing covered that will not be revealed nor hidden that will not be made known. We are asking as the church of the ecclesia, we're the church, we're asking God, let it be made known. All that's behind that assault and that raid in Jesus' name. Did you see where one of the newscasts reported it as a raid? 
And then in live time, they changed the wording to issuing the warrant. Right before your eyes. I didn't see it. I just saw it reported on. They reported it factual. And then they said, no, we are deceiving the people. So change it now before they have any chance to notice. I'm telling you, we're living incredible times. You've got to walk in the Word of God in this hour. Can the, even the deception. Jesus said, what is the sign of your coming and the sign of the end of the age? The first thing he said is, take heed that no one, no one, no matter who they are, no matter what degrees, what science they say, claim to be quoting, no one deceive you. Because much will be depending upon it. And then, you know, the word strong means courageous, means grasp, seize, grab hold of the time. Don't let the times grab hold of you. You grab hold of the times and say, no, thus saith the Lord. The kingdom, grab hold of the time, live and who he's called you to be. And anyway, we could talk about many things. And then the second thing. Look what he said. Be strong, be strong, be strong, and what? Work. Work. What does that mean? What does work mean? In America today, we don't know. Get your check. No, go to work. Don't stop. Church of Jesus Christ, night is coming when no man will work. We must work the works of him who sent us. Because night is coming. That's what he said. And I could go into the text of Jesus saying that and why he said that. But regardless of why he said that, the thing is, he said it. Work the work. I must work the works. Now, if he had to work the works that his father sent, how many of you think we should work the works? He sent us as the father sent him. He said, so I'm sending you. So we have to be about. The works, he said, greater works than these, because I go to my Father. So we got to be about the work, be about the Father's business. Do you know who are those that are going to go to heaven? Now, I know faith in Jesus, I understand. But Matthew 7 says, those who did the will of their Father. So salvation, there's a beginning, but then you're growing in becoming the Son of God that you've been called. And tell you, it's a hope. I know we're getting off into many, many things. But, and then the next thing, look at this. So do the work. Say, do the work. Whatever you've been called to do, like Barbara and Deb, just rise up and do it in this hour. Don't wait for permission unless you get, if you get heaven's permission, that's the main thing. You want to bounce it off. A multitude of counselors, their safety. So you might want to bounce it off because... You could hear something that's ludicrous or wasted time. You don't want to waste time. You don't want to do just something good. You want to do what God has called you to do. So you bounce it off and everything, but you got to bear witness, but obey the Father's will. Do the Father's will. You're not going to stand before me. You're not going to stand before anyone in this room. You're not going to stand before your pastor or whoever. You're going to stand before God and give an account for what he gave you. And what he told you. And then the next thing. For I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. 
If you understand the term the Lord of hosts, and God just said, I am with you, man, there's more, way more for you than are against you. And um, I wanted, man, I, it's just an amazing thing. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm, man, there's so many scriptures. Joshua, God said, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And wherever you go, wherever you, your feet, you know, I've given you that land, wherever you plant your feet. You know, in Mark, the disciples went out and they preached everywhere. And the Lord was working with them. And there were the signs. Matthew 28, I'm with you always. Go ye therefore. I'm with you always, even until the end of the age. I've always read that and felt like the Lord was saying, not only until the end of the age, but especially at the end of the age. God's people are going to know Him, His presence, His abiding presence, greater at the end of the age than we've ever known in all of Bible history. We've always, always been with us, but we're going to really know and know that we know that we know. And I want to assure you today, God is for you. Say, He's for me. He's in you. Say, He's in me. Now, this is Psalm 118. Say, He's on my side. You mean God is on your side? That's what Psalm 118 verse 6 said. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do to me. And then he's the one who is with you. Say, he's with me. Every place you go. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to hide? If you make your bed in the lowest, I'm telling you, the Lord God Almighty is with you. When he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, that's not just some fancy saying. It's the truth. It's the truth. Anyway, it's the truth. Then the next thing, and now look at this. Everybody's still here. You're awful quiet. You guys online need to make some noise too. We don't hear anything. So anyway, what happened here? Now look in verse 5. According, okay, so I'm with you, Lord of hosts. Man, just do a study on the Lord of hosts. According to the word that I covenanted, covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. In other words, he's a God of covenant. Remember what he promised. Okay, so these things are going to happen. There's a great shaking. I'm going to show you in a minute. You remember the covenant and the promises of God. Covenant means to cut. It's etched in stone. There are things that God spoke to you. They are etched. They might as well be etched in stone. Maybe you haven't done that literally, but they're etched in your heart. And they're thus saith the Lord to you. And they cannot be scribbled out. Ain't nobody going to do it. Now look over here. I'm gonna show you. I told you I'd read this. Psalm 74. I have to do it. This is where I got that one prayer. Psalm 74 verse 9. Now look at this. Things were not as they thought they should be. We do not see our signs. Verse 9. There is no longer any prophet, nor is there any among us who knows how long, basically how long this is going to remain as it appears. When are we going back to normal? The prophets don't even know. Verse 10. So he takes it a little step higher. Oh, God, how long will the adversary reproach? Will the enemy blaspheme your name forever? I mean, if you know, this could be a, a prayer today. 
God, how long is this going to happen? How long are you going to stand by and let them do, get away with murder? Because that's what they're getting away with. So we're crying out to God. Now look in verse 11. Here's what David prays. He just said, why do you withdraw your hand, even your right hand? Oh, God. Yeah, you, it's not there, but it might as well be. So let's read it in context. Oh, God, why do you withdraw your hand, even your right hand? Take it out of your bosom and destroy them. Now, I didn't write that. I'm just reading it. It's called an imprecatory prayer. You be led by the Spirit. But if, if God doesn't move, there's much more at stake. Our children, our grandchildren, the cause, the... Per, the co- oh, anyway... What, David, why, you, when you get to heaven, just ask David, David, why in the world do you pray that prayer? And then verse 12, for God is my king, my king from of old, working salvation in the midst of the earth. So he started bragging on God after that. I guess he felt like, you know, I prayed that prayer, so I better brag on God here. And then you can talk, the next few verses, you divided, you broke the heads, you broke the heads of Leviathan in pieces. You broke open the fountain and the flood. You dried up the rivers. Verse 17. Ah, look at this. You've set all the borders of the earth. And you've made summer and winter. In other words, God is the one who set the borders. He set the borders. I can show you that in the New Testament. He also is the one that established summer and winter. Now, I'm not going to open a can of worms but there is something called geoengineering. Why do you think the Bible says in Revelation, God will one day, it said he will come and destroy those who destroyed the earth. We're going to see it. Is God a destroyer? He is there. He's going to destroy those who destroyed his earth. That's what it says. Say, well, I don't agree with that. It's okay. You don't have to. Verse 22. No, no. Verse 20. No, verse 18. Remember that here's he's still praying. Remember this. That the enemy is reproaching you, O God. And that a foolish people have blasphemed your name. And then he prays, Oh, do not deliver the life of your turtle dove to the wild beast. Say, I'm his turtle dove. He loves you. He loves us. Don't, God, don't. Lord, we're rising up. Do not forget the life of your poor forever. The poor, the needy, that those that know they need him. And then verse 12, have respect to the covenant. For the dark places of the earth are full of the haunts of cruelty. David had an understanding of how wicked and evil things could be, and they are. But then his prayer in verse 22, Arise, O God, and plead your own cause. Remember how the foolish man reproaches you. Do not forget the voice of your enemy, those who rise up and who increase continually. So basically, remember the covenant. And then the next thing is, My spirit remains among you. Go back to Haggai. My spirit remains among you. I wanted them to do that song, that old song, and I know we've done it from time to time. But I still think about it because God, it's like it's etched in my memory. And the Lord doesn't want me to forget 
that old song, there is a Redeemer, Jesus, God's own Son, precious Lamb of God, Messiah, Holy One, Jesus, my Redeemer, name above all names, precious Lamb of God, Messiah, oh, for sinners slain. When I stand in glory, I will see your face, and there I'll serve my King forever in that holy place. Now listen to the chorus. Thank you, O my Father, for giving us your Son and leaving us your Spirit until the work on earth is done. Thank you, O my Father, for giving us your Son and leaving your Spirit till the work on earth is done. And my Spirit I've left among you. And then the next thing is do not fear. So when things are not normal, that's what this message is. Remember the Holy Spirit is with you, and remember, do not fear. What a great scripture. How many of you know that's a good command? Why do you think he said that? Let's read the rest of the story, and you'll see why. The next verse. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more. It is a little while, and I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former says the Lord of hosts, and in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. So why did he say, do not fear? Because of the shaking. So here's, here's how I wrap it up. Here's the promise. Things were not as they should have been, at least what they remembered. Have you ever found yourself saying, God, the good old days... I remember the good old days. Let me tell you, the good old days are not going to compare with the days that are yet to be unfolded before us. The good old days, you free, I mean, they were good. Thank God for the good old days. But there's a day coming. There's a new day coming. So here's the promise. Number one, there's going to be a great shaking. If you haven't noticed, it's already begun. And it... It's not those guys sitting around the table making the plans. God Almighty is doing the shaking. I will shake the sea, the dry land, all nations. Secondly, there's going to be a great in gathering, a desire of all. You know what all the nations are really looking for? You know what Uganda is really looking for? You know what Rwanda is really looking for? You know what the Congo is really looking for? Do you know what Pakistan is really looking for? Do you know what America is really looking for? Our desire is none other than Jesus Christ. When he becomes our greatest desire, a lot of these things are going to come, they're going to be worked out overnight. Because the desire of all nations is God Almighty. Nothing else. It's Jesus. He's a desire. And they're looking for him. So God's right now looking for people like you and me to go tell them about it. That, hey, he is your greatest desire. And it's going to be, and then there's going to be a great infilling of his people 
We know the promise when darkness covers and glory, and I'm not, then the glory of the Lord will appear over you. Then there will be great assurance. You may want to underline this verse. God just wants you to know, because there's a great battle right now raging. The gold is mine, saith the Lord, and the silver is mine, saith the Lord. Now, I'm just going to tell you, that's what he says. That's what he said. Why would you say that, God? Maybe one day he'll explain it in detail. But until then, I'm just going to take him at face value. That's what you said, God. The gold's mine. The silver's mine. And then the great glory will bring about a greater knowledge of the glory, of the knowledge of him. The whole earth will be filled with the knowledge. And then there's going to be great peace. God wants you to know. That though things are not going to maybe return as to what you would define as normal, you're going to walk in great peace. And guess what? What God has envisioned as normal is going to be better than what you had envisioned anyway. Because God is a good God. And He's working all things out according to the counsel of His will. And Lord, I thank you for your word. And I just pray, God, that your word would accomplish its purpose, that everywhere it goes, Lord, I pray, let it produce the kingdom and let it bring glory to Jesus and let it be fruit that remains and brings about the salvation to the ends of the earth. God, you said our salvation is nearer to us than it's ever been since we first believed. So we thank you, God, for this great message of salvation and deliverance and hope and healing and joy in the midst of the journey. And God, whether things return to normal, we thank you. We're coming into normal. We're becoming the church that you've always envisioned, the bride that the groom is coming for. We give you all the glory for that. God, I pray you'd encourage people, people watching. I pray you fill them with faith, faith, unshakable, unsinkable. Their faith will not be shipwrecked, nor will they fall away. They will stand, and seeing done all, they'll stand. And I bless them. I pray encouragement and just give you all the glory, Lord. What a mighty God you are. I want to pray for those watching online. If you've never met Jesus, I've done this, and this is the fourth nation in the last few days. So America's the most needy of them all, to be honest with you. So I just want to lead you in a prayer. You say, I want to know Jesus, because there's a drawing right now. You can't come to him when you want to. The, the Holy Spirit draws you. To the, Jesus draws. The Father draws to the Son. Just pray this prayer. Say, dear God, I need you. I believe in Jesus, that he is the Son of God, that he lived, that he died, and he rose from the dead. I choose to turn from sin, and I turn to give my life over to you. I believe that Jesus died. I believe that in my heart. And now I confess him as my Lord. And I call upon you, Jesus, to save me. Use me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the fire of God. 
And use me for your glory. And I thank you for it, Lord. And I know there are people that prayed that right now. And I'm telling you, you get ready. God's going to use you. Things are speeding up on planet Earth. The devil knows his time is short. And so he's running full steam ahead. Because he also knows his ultimate destiny. But I tell you, God is with you. And you're going to run the race with endurance. And you're going to see the glory of the Lord in your land.